things up a little bit every year. Welcome to another episode, a home edition, special live edition of Open Mic. I'm Mike Morris, along with Kevin Dietz. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm great. A uh, lot of lot of stuff going on this week with Kwame Kilpatrick. Uh, you and I were tipped off six days ago um, that uh, Kwame was allegedly going to be released, and we talked about breaking the news, you and I, and we decided probably not the best idea since it wasn't confirmed. <laughs> 38 minutes later, WWJ put something out there that it was confirmed, and then all the other stations jumped on board just to learn six days later, five days later, that it was all not happening, at least right now. And somebody whose name is mentioned in every article who's in the middle of this whole thing is Representative Sherry Danyogo, who was on our show a couple months ago talking about Kwame Kilpatrick and the fact that she believed he should be released early, not because of the COVID, but because of his sentence was way too long in her opinion, 28 years, he has served nine. So you and I thought it'd be a good uh, opportunity this morning to talk to Representative Dan Yogo. So let's bring her on. Good morning. Good morning, how are you both? Hey, well, thanks you? for being live with us on Facebook and YouTube. And it's been a crazy six days, hasn't it? Has it been six days? It's been crazy. <laughs> Time has st stood still. It's been even longer for you since uh, you went all the way to the White House to try and get this thing done, what, a month ago or so? It was in February. Uh, I think February 28th. So, you know, let's, let's start. I mean, you know, you talked about it with us uh, on open mic that you believed he should be released. Then COVID hit. Then this prison that, that he's in uh, is one of the worst federal prisons right now with, uh, with coronavirus and people getting sick and dying. The warden is being shuffled out. Lawsuits are being filed. I, you know, I want, I want your, uh, let's go back. To, you know, you talked about, I don't know if we talked about the letter when you were on our show. Kevin, did we talk about that? Yeah, we, we, we talked about the letter, but this was before she had delivered it to the president. So did you actually hand deliver the letter to the president or one of his aides? Well, I actually handed it to the president. Uh, uh, we were at the National African-American History event, uh, took the letter that was signed by a number of my colleagues, pastors, uh, local elected officials, um, really urging and asking the president to look favorably on a petition that was already filed, a clemency application that was already filed. Uh, a number of pastors, uh, including his pastor, Bishop J. Drew Sheard, um, Bishop Edgar Van, Pastor Wendell Anthony, Pastor Steve Bland, you name it. Um, so many pastors, Pastor Didi Coleman, and on and on and on, who had already weighed in uh, on calling for clemency uh, for Kwame Kilpatrick. Many leaders throughout the years have expressed that we are not uh, saying he didn't do anything wrong. We're not saying he was completely innocent. Been with, but when you look at um, his sentence uh, in comparison to some other elected officials uh, who had more egregious acts, uh, the time did not fit the crime. Uh, it's seemingly uh, they were trying him for something which was more egregious 
uh, than what he what he was charged for for with 28 years. That's a life sentence, basically. Uh, and so that letter was given to the president. Uh, his reception was pretty well. It was, you know, very open. Uh, he took it. He looked over the letter and he said he would look into it. And then did you have any word in the last couple months from the White House? I, I did not. Um, I had an opportunity to to collaborate uh, with two officials from his administration. Uh, I met uh, Jerron Smith and we were working together in, in engaging our community with uh, opportunity zones and helping um, African-Americans urban communities with a meeting both at CBC Congressional Black Caucus where city council members, uh, Wayne County commissioners uh, and elected officials that were attending the Congressional Black Caucus uh, last September. Uh, and so he was one of our keynote speakers there talking about how to get those opportunities in the African-American community. Uh, my stance and uh, working with this gentleman was, uh, it was expressed to me that um, they had been having difficulty in connecting with African-American business owners, et cetera, uh, and that the, the opportunity zones were actually set uh, by uh, the governor and the mayor, uh, but they wanted to work specifically with leadership that were in the trenches in the communities. And so we had that first breakfast at CBC. We had a subsequent follow-up breakfast in the city of Detroit. Uh, Mayor Marcus Muhammad from Benton Harbor, Mayor Hubert Yacht from Highland Park, um, and, and uh, Mayor Patrick Wembley from Inkster. Uh, we had a, a, a plethora of African-American leaders that were present uh, in that room uh, and pastors as well. Pastor Bishop Van, Pastor, Pastor Ron Griffin called me the morning of the breakfast and said, well, I want to be there. He had a funeral, he couldn't attend but he wanted to make sure in that room that I lift up the fact that pastors were calling for the president to look favorably on the clemency uh, petition and ask that I share that information in that meeting. Mayor Hubert Yap actually um, was the one who spoke to it during the meeting initially, and then we had a discussion. And so it was an ongoing movement where a number of stakeholders uh, continued to echo their voice to call for clemency, um, uh, from the current president uh, and for him to look favorably upon the application. But then this last week, something really changed. The president of the United States came to Michigan to go to General Motors mm -hmm. and somebody was able to get in front of him and, and reportedly the, the president said, hey, this thing's going to happen. Uh, Kwame Kilpatrick is going to get out. What was that? Well, yeah, so I don't, I don't know about that. I wasn't there. Um, I don't know. There's nothing on the transcripts. I, so I, I have no way of, of, of uh, really identifying with that or confirming that one way or the other. Kevin, one of my colleagues. That? I'm sorry. Who reported, who reported that, Kevin? I think that was uh, one of the state reps, wasn't it? Um, yes, it was. Was it Witsit? No, no. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, Karen. Yes. yes, she attended the meeting and she expressed that she heard that. Um, so I tried to confirm, you know, the reality of that, you know, she expressed that that's what he said. So, um, but well, I didn't she hear seems, that. She seems tight with the president. She's the one who's suing suing you and suing the governor. And <laughs> she's, suing not suing <laughs> she's suing me. She's suing everybody. She's not suing me. Yeah, I did, I did like agree she, that she's, she's suing the, the governor. She seems like she's, you know, she was praising Trump. There was a, there was reported that she had a phone call with Trump, that she told Trump that 
that, that she sued the governor of Michigan and Trump said something like, great job. Thank you. Did you guys see this? Yeah. Well, I, I read about it. I didn't actually see it, um, but I understand that was during the meeting Thursday. But did, you have any, did you have any decision making in the fact that they censored her for talking about the drug she took and praising Trump? Did you have, were you involved in any of that? No, I don't, I don't, that, I don't rise to that level of, okay. uh, uh, I, I'm going of off censoring topic, anyone. I don't, I don't know about the censoring. I, I think that's something that, uh, that the mayor, um, uh, who was still endorsing her, by the way, that's something for him to work on and, and to get some understanding uh, with the governor. I think uh, it's his candidate. Uh, she's my colleague, but uh, he's continued to endorse her. So I think that's a conversation that the mayor needs to have and, and how they address uh, that with the Democratic Party. But what really whipped up the rumor mill was, I think, when she said that or uh, the president was coming, it sort of leaked out that she may have talked to him. And then somebody asked Mayor Mike Duggan what he thought about all this. And he showed high praise for for Kwame Kilpatrick. And all of a sudden, everybody's get whipped into a frenzy uh, and, 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 and the rumor mill gets going. Uh, and then you're in a position where, wait, is this real? Is this uh, just more talk? Is this a hoax? But then it got even more interesting with the Ebony Foundation, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I heard about it um, Thursday uh, and we just agreed to kind of keep things kind of quiet um, until preferably he would have gotten out. That was my goal and uh, communicating with family. I woke up to a number of phone calls, text messages. Uh, and copies of the press release, um, which had my name in it. Uh, and um, so I didn't respond to it throughout the day until around 4.30, um, because after a while it seemed as if I was being a bit coy and I wasn't trying to be, uh, just more than anything, trying to be protective of the family uh, in a sensitive matter uh, such as this. So um, it wasn't my desire to really talk about this publicly until um, he was out of quarantine and with his family, uh, but with the pressure of of the press release and, you know, um, at me to even show up to my residence, uh, you know, to talk about this. So so I don't didn't want to to run from it, but rise to the occasion of at least trying to give some sense of indication of, of what I knew uh, while being respectful and protective of, of his family. And so I was told, it was shared with me that that he had been, um, it was confirmed that he had received and granted home confinement. Uh, this was a lawsuit that was filed by the American Civil Liberties Union uh, April the 6th. Uh, and it demonstrated that um, Oakdale Prison, one of the highest uh, rates of infection with COVID-19 uh, in the Federal uh, Bureau of Prisons. And so with that lawsuit, uh, it brought in uh, those who were inspecting and approximately 200 or more prisoners were going to be released. Um, in uh, the former mayor's ward, uh, they had a number of, of his inmates, uh, uh, peers, if you will, had been infected and even his cellmate because they washed all of their laundry together uh, and a number of people in that same uh, area and even a cellmate got sick. Uh, and um, at that time, it was about five uh, prisoners who had passed and 80 plus who had tested positive, uh, along with staff. And so that spoke to the conditions and which is why the ACLU uh, 
file the lawsuit to begin with. And um, subsequent to that, the day, the following day, actually, um, while my sister's in the hospital um, and talking with the family, uh, it was a last ditch effort for me to try and reach out to someone to get a correspondence to, to send an echo the fact that right now we realize we have a clemency application, which is before you, but it, the timing's not right for that. So we ask for a humanitarian act uh, to get him out of harm's way. And basically um, asking for him to be considered as he had asthma uh, and uh, he fit the criteria for a home confinement. Didn't mean he went free. Uh, he wouldn't have received a pardon automatically. He wouldn't have received clemency automatically, uh, but he would have been out of harm's way uh, as 200 other prisoners were uh, in Oakdale. Um, uh, I believe obviously his case was reviewed. Uh, he received a letter dated April the 17th, which highlighted that he fit the criteria uh, for high risk. It did not confirm in writing uh, that he was granted uh, home confinement, but it, 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 it demonstrated that he fit the criteria for high risk. Um, it was shared with his family um, that he was in fact uh, granted home confinement. Uh, it was shared with me. Um, it was echoed by a tweet that came from one of the senior White House representatives. Uh, and so we kept that, I held it close on Thursday. Uh, until until the press release came out on Friday and later that evening, I finally you know spoke to it around 4.30, uh, 5 p.m. So that's where we are. What's difficult um, to wrap my head around and, and friends and family as well is he received that confirmation uh, per the family uh, by, I guess, the warden who was then now relieved of his duties and sent to Texas. Um, and a new warden came on and the new warden, based on the report Tuesday night, the, the offer or the home confinement has been rescinded. And, so, and nobody knows, and nobody knows, uh, you know, if he was, if the warden was, removed because of this Kwame Kilpatrick situation. We don't know um, whose decision it was to hold it up. We don't really, I mean, it does, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence and some direct evidence that this was happening. The family was told, uh, there's a tweet that you're, that you're referencing. So we don't know. We'll stop this, yeah, we? so yeah, I mean, we can all um, surmise what might've happened. We don't know. Uh, there was a call with some local pastors uh, that took place yesterday with the Attorney General of Louisiana uh, to determine what might have happened. It's my understanding that they had a call uh, into the White House. I'm not privy to that. That's what was shared with me. I don't know. Uh, there is, There are plans. Um, for. I've been invited to participate uh, in a virtual town hall on June the 5th uh, with Ebony and the Ebony Foundation to talk about this and, and from what I can read, uh, there are some really key players that are uh, speaking to this issue um, and will be speaking out about what could have happened. We know there are many people who 
have not said anything when it came to came to uh, Ray Nagin, Maureen Brown, Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen. There, there was not this loud crescendo of people pushing back um, on their release. Uh, we know locally uh, that is very polarizing, but we also know that there are some people in leadership um, that have stated on record that they would do anything in their power to make sure that he was not released. Does their power trump Trump? Uh, does their power trump, uh, you know, the, the Attorney General Barr? Uh, obviously, it, things have been put at a standstill. And so um, I just know from, I can only testify to what, what I personally heard and experienced. And so in communicating with, with the president and with senior staff, um, there's, there was a receptiveness and a willingness to look at clemency as has been provided by Paul Manafort, Cohen, Ari yeah. Brown, I mean, you, you name it. So, I mean, I mean you, what's the difference? What's the difference here? Well, you have, you have two different things. I mean, one's done by the president and one's done uh, a compassionate release, which is done by the prison system and the DOJ uh, for nonviolent offenders and things like that. So you have two different things. They're not mutually exclusive. I mean, they can happen at the same time. Right. Um, usually, though, when you're let out early, you're not going back. That's my understanding. Right. You're not, you know, uh -huh. so he, his sentence would be cut by 21 years because of the COVID, even though the COVID will pass, we hope. So the, pres um, so the president still had a role in, he and Attorney uh, General Barr still had a role in these 3,000 inmates that would have been released to home confinement. Um, so, so this is a part of an initiative that they endorsed, they lifted up, uh, they had a role in. So, you know, I agree there's several aspects and ways, you know, whether it's a pardon, which was never asked for, clemency, which was short in his time, home confinement to get him out of harm's way, uh, um, and then compassionate release, uh, you know, which would have come from the judge. Uh, so, so those are several avenues that, that, that are available for any uh, inmate to be released. Uh, what we were asking for was clemency, a time reduction, but in the environment of COVID uh, to, for humanity. I mean, if a prisoner, and, and it's not just for Kwame Kilpatrick, this is a conversation myself and my colleagues have been talking about, even here in Michigan. If, if you have a family member that is in jail doing time and it's not a life sentence, why should they lose their life to COVID because they can't follow the CDC guidelines uh, of social distancing. You can't, it, it's impossible with eight prisoners in a cell um, to be six feet away from each other and not have even had adequate PPE. I mean, that's inhumane. Uh, and that's a conversation we've continued to have with MDOC. I mean, we have gotten nothing but constant excuses, um, if you will. Myself, Rep. Latanya Garrett, Rep. Uh, 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 Tanisha Yancey, Senator Chang, uh, have continued to talk about these things and been on calls where we get excuses. The, the, the one thing I'm appreciative of is that they tested all of the prisoners, but I still have not heard a plan to ensure that they're all able to follow the CDC guidelines. And the problem with that is it's not just the prisoner. For those who have a you know, a, a steel chest or a steel heart on prisoners got to do all of their time and 
and they can just be left to die. What about the people that work in there? What about the people that work in there and they are exposed to COVID and then they go to their families and then their families and their children go to school with your children and then they infect the teacher. So this is a, this is an ecosystem. This is not just a separate place. Jump in, Kevin. Yeah. Hey, that's obviously that's a huge issue. The whole country is talking about what to do in local state and and federal prisons to try and help everybody involved. But we want to, I want to bring this back to Kwame Kilpatrick specifically. It's not been mentioned and is what happened. You you say that the family was notified that he was going to be given this compassionate home release. Uh, what, home confinement. What you, home home confinement. confinement, because compassionate release is yeah, the judge. Home, home confinement. But, but what, what, what you didn't mention yet is that uh, the news of this, when it leaked, completely surprised the local U.S. attorney, completely surprised the local FBI. They were not notified of this at all. And when they heard about this, they said, what in the world are you talking about? And they said, we're going to investigate this. They didn't even say we're going to look into it. We're going to say we're going to investigate this. We're going to find out what is going on. So you can be damn sure that uh, calls started immediately to say what's yes. going on. And, and this yes. was all going on to see, see, wait a minute, where, where are we at in the process? What's going on? So tell me a little bit about that part of it. What do you think happened? Because he was coming home and then 24 hours later, it was dead. So, so I can't, I can't speak to what I don't know. I, I don't know. You can speak uh, to yourself. <laughs> well, uh, it's Kwame Kilpatrick, and, and you know, a number of people don't want him out. A number of people don't want his time reduced. And so, again, I think, I think as we have these conversations and as leadership, um, not just in the city of Detroit and state of Michigan, but around the country began to weigh in on the disparities that exist with respect to African-Americans um, getting clemency, home confinement, uh, looking at the numbers. I mean, out of 3,000 prisoners, I want to know how many African-Americans got the same access that Paul Manafort, Cohen, Corinne Brown. What are, what are the numbers? And then so the, the outrage only came for, let's put this genie back in the bottle, when it was Kwame Kilpatrick, a black man who many resent because they say he's arrogant. Um, they don't like him is what one of the attorneys I heard say. I mean, who cares if you don't like him? The, the point of the matter is, is if it was good for the goose, it's good for the gander. And if you have others who are accessing this humanitarian act to be able to get out of harm's way and not be subjected to a death sentence, he wasn't going to be roaming the streets. He was going on home confinement, for God's sake. So they hate they hate him that much that they will work against him. I don't know, Sherry. Let me let me. I want to I want to ask you a question about um, Trump. So when I was asking around about this, I talked to some smart people, a couple of political consultants, another couple of reporters, and there's these you know there's these theories, these rumors that Trump is going to hold this back until he sees if he can gain some African American votes in the city of Detroit by doing this. We've heard this time and time again. And looking at the numbers, you know, Hillary Clinton won Detroit 92% of the vote. He only won Michigan by less than 11,000. Um, if Biden picks an African-American uh, running mate, um, it's going to make it that much harder. And then he may be more inclined to do this. Um, so I have a few questions here, but but what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think from from one angle that that could potentially be a strategic move uh, what we see right now we're having the conversation uh where 
criminal justice reform is a key and critical issue. African-Americans are really having conversations about which party is more committed to, to uh, criminal justice reform, which party is more committed to fairness, uh, which party um, is gonna help to expunge records so people to get back to work, which party is more committed to fair sentencing guidelines, uh, and so you have a number. Uh, when I was at, when I attended the White House African American History event, it was almost surreal uh, because I was in shock for just how many African Americans were number one in that room, and just how sincere they were in talking about his record for criminal justice reform. And nothing else mattered to them uh, besides the fact that one young lady that I met who was pardoned uh, under under his leadership. And so them touting his record, I think the Democrats had better demonstrate a willingness to show fairness and equity because this is the card that, that can get played. And so when you have African-Americans that continue to struggle, that continue to see people put their knee on their neck and kill them, uh, take out people for no reason, uh, 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 police brutality that exists, we don't see relief under any administration. So they're looking for answers and you're not gonna be able to hold back those who feel like we finally, finally got somebody who looked out for one of the key issues or key person that is important to me, whether people like Kwame Kilpatrick or not, there is a, uh, a huge community that does like him. Uh, and we haven't heard key Democratic leadership speaking out for his fair and equitable release either. Well, so, so it could be a card, a very it, it could be an ace of spades, a joker. You think? <laughs> probably, so you think? If we you, talk spades here, Sherry, you think your opinion is that if he pulls this move between now and November, he's going to pick up some votes in Detroit? Maybe I think, a lot of I, votes. I think it's very possible. Um, I think it's very possible that he could. Uh, uh, we're not a we're, we're not a monolithic society and, and community, so you're not going to pick up those who just think he's just you know way too far right and has done so many things that is just unacceptable. They, but you're going to have some people that don't care that he lied, don't care that because they feel like Democrats lie. Uh, you're going to have some people that feel like they they don't care of how he he speaks disrespectfully because they feel like they've been patronized by Democrats. So you, you can't just automatically, like Biden said, you're not black if you're not voting for me. That 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 dog won't hunt in a number of communities, uh, African-American communities, because some of them might just vote or stay home out of resentment. You got people that can't even get unemployment that's out here struggling, and then they get a check from Trump. So <laughs> we better get our stuff together. I mean, really, you got credit cards coming in the mail, checks coming in the mail. Only check they can't get is from Michigan's unemployment. So, so we got to think about what the impact overall is going to be, and make sure that you don't use the same usual suspects to work on these campaigns. The grassroots people reach out to me all the time in their frustration, saying. Some of the folks that they use in the party don't know what they're doing, haven't known what they're doing for years. But when it comes down to it, we only get called in when they're looking for the help, the help, the movie, the help. And we're not the help. 
And so we need them to respect those who are in the community, who are great surrogates, who may not be suited and booted all the time, but they are influencers uh, and they are connected to the streets and they can help get the vote out in a collective way. Uh, just because they're not in the boardroom don't mean that they're not in the winning room. And that's what we got to start doing is making sure that if this is really a big fan, bring people in, then Trump won't be our issue. He won't be our nemesis. But you can't expect loyalty when you've not been loyal. All right, Kevin. Well, I just think that I just think that some people are always going to stand uh, out on their own. Kwame Kilpatrick is never going to fit in with any group. He's always going to be an individual. He's just too big of a personality, too big of a person. You're, I, you look at this. I, I look at this uh, home confinement uh, because of COVID, and and here's the man um, who's got who's got kids, um, who's in danger, who needs to be protected. It's the prisons. Ob the prison has to protect their prisoners. Yes. Um, to me, um, it, it fits to me. I don't understand this, why you can't go home for a couple of years and come back or something like that. And I'm not going to get into all that, but the rules are the rules. Mm -hmm. But but if, if, if you said and that- it's cost, And Kevin, it's cost saving. I mean, yeah, just I think about it right now. Oh, We're I, looking I, at a $3 billion deficit just in Michigan I'm, and then even more across the country. I'm, I'm, I'm totally against- or efficiency. It's cost saving. It is. I'm totally against warehousing prisoners. I'm against long sentences for nonviolent criminals. I, I think Kilpatrick spent enough time to learn his lesson, uh, let him out. And if he violates again, send him back for the, the full term or something like that. There you uh, go. I don't think he needs to be there. I really don't. And and I think there's, especially in the African-American community, but uh, I, I just don't believe that uh, any. Anything over seven, eight, nine years is is long enough for a nonviolent criminal. I don't want to pay for for them. I, I don't. And right. So, right. so it makes sense to me. Right. So right. I think the I clemency. Agree. I think the clemency is the is the the way to go. That's the one that you your group has been working on with the president. It seems like you guys may be having some some. Uh, making some way there, and and I, and I think that that's the way to continue to push push those efforts. What happened with this whole COVID thing? I don't know. It doesn't smell just right to me, though. That uh, the family heard it was going to go, and then it was a no go. We do know local officials have said uh, they do not want them out, and they have right. very strong reasons for it. Um, they they look at that sentencing memorandum. What they what Pontiac Patrick was charged with and convicted of was very serious crimes against the people yes. of Detroit. And we all love the people of Detroit. So so punishment had to come down. He was convicted by a jury. Now, Kwame Kilpatrick has never apologized. Uh, maybe he said he's made mistakes, but he's said he's wrongfully imprisoned. So that rubs some people the wrong way. Probably the judge, definitely prosecutors, definitely the FBI. Uh, that's not, they don't see that as someone who needs to be released early if he can't own up to what he did. Now in Kilpatrick's case, if he's wrongfully convicted, then I wouldn't I wouldn't say I did something that I didn't do either. So it's a real it's a it's a real tricky situation. Um, I think it can be resolved through clemency somehow. I my heart breaks for all of the prisoners because this COVID thing, the, the prisons have a responsibility to keep people alive and they're not doing a great job of it. And more needs to be done. So I'd like to see the report that they said no, he was denied because of of what, or or right. someone else was approved because of what? What? How are you keeping COVID from one person? You know, so that's that's where I'm at on all of this. But I personally, I personally would like to see him get out on a compassionate release, 
way more than letting Trump use it to curry favor with the African-American community in Detroit and try to pick up votes. Because I don't really think he gives a crap, the president. I think he, yeah. he would do things politically. And I think that he's not doing it for any other reason. And, and that is kind of disgusting. So I do think that hopefully, um, you know, if they can't keep these people safe, they should absolutely let them out, especially the non, obviously only the nonviolent offenders, in my opinion, uh, spread out the rest of them in the prison system. And, and, right. And spread them. That's, a, that's an option. That's an so, option. We, we spoke to about MDOC. We have several inmates, uh, almost 50 percent from Wayne County in, in outstate prisons. We got Ryan down here that's not at full capacity. If we're sincere about social distancing and safety mechanisms, we're not saying put them all outside, but how about let's use Ryan. Why you don't want to use Ryan? Because we get the census numbers for them being in the city of Detroit. This, this is a game. And when you ask questions of those in leadership, sometimes they don't want to hear you ask those questions, but they're legitimate questions. So if it takes more staff and, and it's safer, and we're not allowing COVID to continue to spread, bring 200 or 300 of them to Ryan Correctional Facility and let them social distance there so we can get the census numbers down here. Well, Sherry, thank you for coming on this morning. Keep us posted. I mean, I know this is this is changing every day. You're sending us articles. You're sending us information. I appreciate you letting Kevin and I know the morning you found out because we are we are on top of this. We, we want to share it on the Open Mic podcast. For those of you listening and watching this, please subscribe to Open Mic on YouTube or any of uh, the other ones, Spotify. Uh, we're on all of the listening channels as well as YouTube. And we'll continue to cover this. We'll continue to have thought leaders like Representative uh, Daniel go here to, to talk about this. And, um, you know, who knows? Any day we could hear something different and we'll come back and we'll talk more. Two fellow alums. <laughs> Exactly. OPHS. So, <laughs> that's right. Thank you so much for waking up with us this morning and for everybody watching and listening. And uh, thank you, Kevin, as always. All right. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Thank you all. Bye. Bye-bye. You never know who you're going to see. Be one guy one-on-one -on -one my whole career. What you're going to hear. You got a lot of desperate people in the city. On my podcast, Open Mic. Find it where you find your podcasts.